0: Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. How many of you have read some funny excuses in your life? People make excuses. You're like, "Oh, really? I was reading about excuses for no homework. My dad forgot to do my homework for me. Then this mother wrote this note. Please excuse Eric from school on May the 5th through May the 19th. He's waiting in line for the new Star Wars film. Then please excuse my other son, John, from being absent. January the 28th, 29th, 30th, 31st, 32nd, and 33rd. I think she's lost her mind. Here's some genuine insurance claim excuses. Leaving home for work, I drove out of my driveway straight into a bus. The bus was five minutes early. How's this? I don't know who was to blame for the accident. I wasn't looking. (laughs) Then one's related to pedestrians and people driving to pedestrians. The pedestrian had no idea which direction to run, so I ran him over. (laughs) The car in front hit the pedestrian, but he got up, so I hit him again. (laughs) Sounds like South Africa. (laughs) Use excuses made to traffic officers who stop you. I'm sorry for speeding, but without my glasses, I can hardly see the speedometer. (laughs) <laughs> here's what? my wife ran off with a policeman when I saw your flashing lights behind me I didn't stop for a second because I thought you might be the policeman who's trying to bring her back to me <laughs> <laughs> but wait how many of you realize that in Hollywood they have an excuse culture they have people around them who help them make excuses when they caught out and it's, it's a huge thing. It's a whole culture. In 2007, Lindsay Lohan, I'll give you a number of them here. She was pulled over for driving under the influence. police found cocaine in her jeans pocket, to which she gave the excuse that the pants weren't even hers. <laughs> when she missed a court appearance, she said she'd lost her passport, so she couldn't make it back in time. In 2009, a man called Jeffrey Donovan, an actor from Burn Notice, was pulled over by the police after he nearly rode into the back of them. And uh, he failed the sobriety test and walking along the line and so on. And he refused to submit to a breathalyzer, so they arrested him. And when he was brought into the police station, he said this, the only mistake I made tonight was drinking Benadryl and three glasses of wine. Amazing how they think they can get away with it. Chloe Kardashian, which many of you don't know. (laughs) She was arrested for driving under the influence and uh, she said her deceased father was her excuse for her behavior. She said, around the time I got pulled over, was the anniversary of my father's death. He died four years ago this September. The thing is, she was arrested in March. <laughs> Tatum O'Neill, the Oscar-winning actress, was caught red-handed buying crack from a dealer in Manhattan. When questioned, she claimed she was doing research for the part. <laughs> when the excuse didn't work, she insisted it was because she was grieving the loss of her beloved dog, to cancer. Nicole Richie was pulled over when she was going the wrong way on, uh, up onto a freeway ramp. Imagine going up the wrong way. She failed a a sobriety test. She admitted to being under the influence of marijuana and Vicodin. When asked why she had taken them, she had very serious menstrual cramps. Gary Durden was found asleep behind the wheel of his car, passed out. When the police came along and wondered why he was sleeping in his car, they discovered cocaine and heroin and ecstasy. He tried to, uh, he, he gave the lamest of excuses, saying the drugs weren't his. It's like a stash. Paris Hilton when a designer bag of cocaine was found in her handbag, it's like a little baggy thing that you put inside your handbag, uh, they found it was it was full with cocaine. She said, "I didn't know that it was there. I thought it contained chewing gum." Later, when she got caught out, she admitted it was hers. And then Charlie Sheen destroyed his hotel room, smashed it to pieces. While under the influence of alcohol, his attorney got up in court and said that his client had had an adverse reaction to medication. How many of you know this is a culture of making excuses? And you can develop a culture of making excuses, or you can develop what I want to speak to you about today, cultivating a no-excuse culture. The more you make excuses, the more you drive success away from you. And the devil wants you to embrace excuses, because excuses are what will keep you from church, keep you from marriage, keep you from serving, keep you from giving, keep you from honoring God, and if you're not careful, you will live in an excuse culture, which most people live in. There's a song, an old song by what's called the Kingsmen. They were a pop group, a Christian pop group. Excuses, excuses. You'll hear them every day, and the devil, he'll supply them if from church you stay away. When people come to know the Lord, the devil always loses. So to keep them away from church, he offers them excuses. Isn't that true? Listen, winners don't make excuses. They make away way. Christians don't make excuses. They should make a way because they serve a God who makes a way. You see success anywhere in the world? It's because people don't make excuses. Pep Guardiola, who is one of the best coaches in the world, Spanish footballer who became the coach, and he now coaches Man City. In case you haven't watched Man City, they're usually at the top, and then you know, they come down slightly, then they go back to the top. I thought i just mention that. But he's cultivated a no-excuse culture. He says this, he says in football, the worst things are excuses. Excuses mean you cannot grow and move forward. So church, this morning, this might be a challenge to you, but the challenge is coming because I want you to grow, and I want you to move forward, and I want us to enter 2024 strong, not weak. And December's a time when you can bring, yourself, uh, bring excuses to yourself about what you eat, about what you're doing, about who you're hanging out with, what you're smoking, what you're drinking. It's the holidays, you won't grow and move forward. And you've got to build into yourself a no-excuse culture. You ask yourself, is this true what I'm saying? Or am I making excuses? Excuses are as old as time. Adam blamed Eve. Eve blamed the serpent. You all know, and the serpent had no leg to stand on. And through the Bible, it's funny how you all laugh at that still. You remember in Exodus 32 when Aaron took all the earrings from the people and He made them into a golden calf, Moses comes down the mountain, he's furious, God's angry, and then he asks Aaron, what have you done? He says, they gave me the gold, I threw it in the fire, and out came this calf. And some of your lives are like that, you're like, I don't know how it happened. Stop making excuses. In Matthew chapter 25, the parable of the talents, the man who was given one talent didn't develop his talents, but guess who he blamed? He blamed his boss. And many of you are making excuses for your life, and you're blaming your boss, but it's your responsibility. He says in Matthew 25, master, he said, I knew you to be a hard man, harvesting where you haven't sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. That's right. Bosses don't do the work. You do the work for them. So stop moaning about them and making excuses that you're not prospering. It's up to you. It's up to us to create a no excuse culture. I'm shocked at the common excuses that people give for not being successful in life. First the boss, then the country, then the economy, then the rich. If they weren't rich, I wouldn't be poor. That's an excuse. Are you with me? And excuses console us, but they make us victims of circumstance. George Washington Carver, that great American who came from slavery, he said 99% of the failures come from people who have the habit of making excuses. In other words, they have an excuse culture instead of a no excuse culture. Are you with me? Here's a definition of excuses in case you're not sure this morning what I'm talking about. It's going to get harder. I just warn you at the outset. It's verbal justification for some thought or action. Now pause for a moment. I want to ask you, everyone in this room, what thought or action are you trying to justify right now? Just leave it right there. As the Bible says in Psalms, Selah. Think about that. Because for some of you, you need to think about it this morning. An argument in defense of one's actions. This is why I don't, or this is why I do. Hmm? One's actions, deeds, or behavior. Reason for failure to do something. Yeah, but you don't understand. No, you're making excuses. And then, given to be released from an obligation. What's an obligation? Tithing, coming to church. Hmm? What reasons do you give when you don't come, when you don't give? The only time you can be released from an obligation is when you can't make it to someone's dinner. But an obligation to sexual purity, you need to keep. And stop making excuses. But the fact that you were born like that, you weren't. You were born a sinner. It's Getting very quiet in this early morning Presbyterian service. Are you with me? The only time you're released from an obligation, I love this, is in Deuteronomy 24. When a man is newly married... He's not to be drafted into military service or any other public duty. He's to be excused from duty for one year. Watch this. So he can stay at home and make his wife happy. This is the only time he will, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> After that, trouble cometh. Benjamin Franklin said he that is good for making excuses, he's seldom good for anything else. You see, excuses and productivity are at odds with each other. Isn't that true? Creating excuses, they say in your brain, is as addictive as drug-taking. It becomes a pattern. and You keep doing it. And between us and greatness usually lie a few good excuses. And deeply rooted excuses get into our lives, but they change nothing. They just make us feel better. Listen, excuses cost you more than they buy you. And we were to be people who reject excuses and create a culture of no excuse. Brian Tracy says you can make excuses... Or you can make progress, you choose. You cannot do both. Isn't that the truth? And so we've got to be people who make progress. As Pep Guardiola says, you've got to grow or move forward. And excuses prevent you from doing that. I'm going to read a text of scripture, make a couple of comments on it. Then we'll look at another three main headings. Are you all with me? And I think it can help us to cultivate a no-excuse culture. Luke chapter 14 is a parable that we all know pretty well about the parable, they call it the parable of the banquet. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation, it says, a man prepared a great feast, that's obviously God, and uh, sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, I want you to read this carefully with me, he sent his servant, we believe that's Jesus, or it could mean the Holy Spirit, because Jesus isn't really the servant of the Father, he's the son of the Father. The Holy Spirit's like the servant who goes on, on behalf of the Godhead. Watch this. Tell the guests, come, the banquet is ready. What is the banquet? It's ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, I've just bought a field and I must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married and I can't come. The servant returned and told his master what he had said and the master was happy and said, don't worry, they can watch online. I'm glad I've got your attention in this early morning service. You notice what it says? The master was what? Say it out loud. God is not interested in our excuses. He said, go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town, invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. After the servant had done this, he reported there's still room for more. So his master said, go into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. For none of those I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. How many of you know he's pretty ticked off? Hmm? He doesn't say they're not going to get a taste. He won't even get a little bit. He's annoyed. God does not like excuses. Do you notice it says they all began to make excuses because excuses are part of the human condition. We all do it, and we hate to admit it. You've got to break an excuse culture and create a no-excuse culture. And the human condition is about blaming other people. Adam blamed Eve, Eve blamed the serpent. We like to blame our parents, blame the government. E- e- people even say this, the devil made me do it. Yeah. Hmm? Excuses justify our wrong behaviors and our disobedience towards God. They also justify our lack of discipline. How many of you know when people make excuses, th- what they're really saying is this is why I, this is why I don't give don't serve, don't attend church, don't stay pure, I'm sexually immoral and proud of it, this is why I'm violent, this is why I'm angry, this is why I'm lazy, this is why I'm poor, this is why I steal, this is why I cheat, this is why I keep the company vat, and don't send it in, this is why I'm overweight, unsuccessful, getting divorced, live with someone outside of marriage, I'm a practicing homosexual, I'm unfit, these are all excuses rather than obedience to God, And we pack, pick up Hollywood's desire to create an excuse culture and we bring it into the church and we wonder why people don't tolerate it. No, we need to stop making excuses because God's got better things for us. He's got a feast for us. He's got a banquet for us. And when you're governed by your weaknesses and your emotions and your feelings, you will not go forward or grow. Anne Rand is a author and philosopher. She wrote a book, Philosophy Who Needs It. She said this rationalization is a process of not perceiving reality, but of attempting to make reality fit one's emotions. How I many? You know, we can take our emotions, and we try and create our reality to match what we feel, rather than what God says. And I notice what Christians say, and you'll meet this morning. It's a serious message, and you can clap and laugh. It's good. People say, "God loves me as I am, so I don't need to bring my flesh under control." Really? Have you read any of the Bible? Do you really want to serve the Lord? Do you sing songs about I love the Lord and and yet you contradict it by your life because you live by emotion rather than principle? It's an excuse. You see, in Jude 4, it says this, and it warns us. It says, for some godless people have slipped in unnoticed among us. Persons who distort the message about the grace of our God In order to excuse their immoral ways, people in church make excuses and expect us to swallow them and even mock us. Don't make fools of us. God will judge you because you won't even get a little taste, he says. I know it's the end of the year and I should be propping you up, but I did a whole series on faith and you've had enough propping up. Now it's time to live in the cold light of day because I need to speak prophetically into the church, not just fill a space with a message. So let's look at another three headings. Number one, and we've kind of alluded to it already, God sees through our excuses. There's no point making them because he sees right through them. That's why I got angry. And I want you to notice something here before we unpack under this point the three excuses that were made. What you don't pick up immediately when you read this parable is that the banquet was pre-arranged like a wedding, and invitations were sent out in advance, and people agreed to them. Then when everything was ready, he said, now you're supposed to come. Now you make excuses when you've pre-agreed to come. I want to serve Jesus. I want to be a partner at Rivers Church. I want to live for him. I want to be baptized. Then when it gets hot, then you don't want to come to the banquet. Notice it's a banquet, not fasting. God invites us to something good, something rich, something overflowing. And he's prearranged it. In those days when you had a banquet, I don't know if you realise how important it was. You didn't go to pick and pay or a catering company or willies and get pre-packed stuff and pack the trolley and shh then when people didn't pitch up, you could take it back and get your money back. No, you killed live animals, and you hung the meat up, and it had to drip the blood out to make bread by hand and knead it. Then when everything was made, and you'd sweated blood, they don't come. See, Jesus hung on the cross, and his blood dripped out. The bread of life was given, and we're like, I'm busy. Well, I feel like that is these excuses they made. Yeah. And God sees through our excuses. And by the way, when you make excuses too quickly, something's wrong. If, you, if you've got excuses on the tip of your tongue, something's wrong. Agatha Christie in her famous book, Seven Dials of Mystery, she says, to rush, rush into explanations is always a sign of weakness. These excuses were feeble and they were on the tip of their tongue. Number one, I bought a field and I must inspect it. This is a possessions excuse. Who buys a field or a property without looking at it? And then you want to go see it at night. Are you mad? They didn't even have streetlights in those days. Hmm? Your biggest investment. What a weak excuse. If only sometimes we could listen to ourselves. Maybe we should tell people to make excuses. Just pause for a moment. I'm not going to say anything. Could you just repeat that? (laughs) We We need to be difficult with it. We need to be challenging with this stuff. See, God sees them and he looks through them. And Warren Wearsby, the uh, pastor and author who wrote so many wonderful commentaries, he said, In the East, the purchasing of property is often a long and complicated process. And the man who would have had many opportunities would have had many opportunities to examine the land he was buying. Anybody who purchases land that he has never examined, he's certainly taking a chance. Since most banquets were held in the evening, the man had little daylight left, even for a cursory investigation. The reason I'm expounding that is because I want you to think about some of the excuses that you make and really think about them because God sees right through them. Number two is a man who bought 10 oxen and must try them out. That's a business excuse. How I many yeah, this is an expensive buy. This is part of agriculture. This is part of running a business. You would surely have seen and known them when he bought them. You go to those auctions and markets and you look at the thing There it is in all its glory with its muscles and its credentials and it can produce so many other oxen if they mate and all that. It's like buying a tractor. You don't don't buy a tractor from a picture. You go and you test it and you sit on it and then then they deliver it and then you know what you've bought. He says, in fact, the original Greek implies, I'm on my way to try them out at night. Aren't you scum to give an excuse like that? Gosh, George Washington said it's better to offer no excuse than a bad one. The third excuse was, I just got married. That's matters of the heart. Possessions excuse, business excuse, romantic excuse. Uh, <laughs> I just got married. How many you know marriages aren't planned? Unless trouble cometh. They're not planned overnight. You plan over months and weeks. I see you sitting in front here. When you guys planned your wedding, it was a chadunta. eh? It was a long-term thing with clothes, and when I went to it, I felt out of place, because the people were dressed to the nines, and the food, you don't just, he, if he was invited, you don't make a wedding day to clash with that, and then make all, you didn't just decide yesterday I'm getting married, this was not at the registrar office, and here's the thing, you just got married, that's okay, when men were invited to these banquets, they were usually invited alone, so the fact that you got married, is not my business, didn't invite you and your wife. Weak excuse. Is this making sense? See, we, we, we can make excuses, but God sees right through them. Here's the thing. The truth is we always make excuses for what we don't want to do. Hmm? Those three men, they c- thought they could offer a weak excuse and get away with it and still be invited back. They weren't. And we offer God excuse after excuse after excuse, and we expect him to be gracious because he's a loving God. But the Bible says he grew angry and he grew freaked out. And I think it applies to salvation. Don't go on the journey and then make excuses. Buckle down. Commit yourself. Say, Lord, you can see through my my flesh and my frivolity and my stupidity. And I can convince people around me. Because the culture is a culture of excuse making and it helps me. But I choose to stand up and create a no excuse culture. love what Billy Sunday said he was a he was a radical evangelist he by the way he used to climb on top of the pulpit so I'm being quite sedate this morning he <laughs> also this pulpit is slow but in those days those flat pulpits he'd climb on top There are pictures of him freaking out he said this he said excuses are the skin of a reason stuffed with a lie isn't that true number two excuses frustrate and limit God's good plans for us it's a little bit more positive eh? are you brightening up this morning Some of you are saying, I shouldn't have come. You see, the parable reveals one thing here. Jesus is pointing to the fact that God is preparing a feast and a generous one at that. And he didn't just have it off the cuff. He prepared it. So God's got good plans of generosity and blessing that our excuses keep us from. We view it as a negative. God says, no, I've got great things. I want to bless you. I want to take your life forward. I want your company. I want to bless you with things. But you have an excuse culture. And you have an I can't culture. Isn't that true? And here, God's plans for our lives can be limited by our own excuses. How many of you have repeatedly said, and I've done this in my Christian life, I can't? No, you can. If you're disciplined enough and you're willing enough, you can overcome excuses Craig Lounsbury in his book says, labeling something as impossible is frequently my way of excusing myself from doing something simply because it's more difficult than I would like it to be. Let me give you three examples of excuses in the Bible here and maybe you can relate to them. The first one is the excuse that Jeremiah gave when the Lord called him. It's the excuse of age. Anyone made the excuse of age? I'm too young. And then I'm middle-aged. Then I'm too old. Isn't that the truth? Jeremiah chapter 1, the Lord speaks to him and calls him at 17 years old into ministry, and he responds negatively. But then God says to him, but the Lord said to me, do not say I'm too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them. Why? For I am with you, and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. However old you are, God can work through you, whether you're young or old. You see, don't start giving excuses because of the way you feel about yourself, start looking at what God said in his word, and what he's able to do if you obey it, am I making sense, because at the end of it is blessing, you limit, and you restrict, and you frustrate his plans for your life when you make excuses, and uh God can do amazing things with people at any age. I was reading a a guy called Pablo. He listed some 33 people who had accomplished great things at different ages. And we won't bring up images, otherwise you'd be completely like watching a movie. But Helen Keller, at 19 months old, became deaf deaf and blind. But those of you who know Helen Keller, she was the first blind person ever to earn a Bachelor of Arts degree. She never let age or limitations stop her from achieving. Mozart was competent on keyboard and violin by the time he was about four, and then at five he became a composer. Anne Frank was only 12 when she wrote the diary of Anne Frank. Magnus Carlsen became a chess grandmaster at the age of 13. Nadia Comaneci, a Romanian gymnast, scored seven perfect tens and won three gold medals at the Olympics at the age of 14. Pelé! The soccer superstar was 17 years old when they won the World Cup with Brazil. Amazing. Elvis, excuse me for mentioning, was a superstar by the age of 19. And John Lennon was 20, Paul McCartney 18, when the Beatles had their first concert in 1961. It's like a century ago. Jesse Owens was only 22 when he won four gold medals at probably what was the most racist Olympics ever in Berlin in 1936. Black man walked onto that track and showed them that their theories were completely wrong. Prove them wrong. Don't make excuses. (laughs) Beethoven was a piano virtuoso by the age of 23. Roger Bannister, who you all remember, only 25 when he broke the four-minute-mile record. Albert Einstein was 26 when he wrote the theory of relativity like to ask some 26-year-olds, what, what games are you currently playing right now <laughs> on your phone or on, uh, with your gaming console, because you should be writing the theory of relativity. But nonetheless, it's amazing how we can excuse ourselves. I'm too busy. I'm too tired. I'm not educated enough. It's my race. It's my background. It's our country. It's the boss. It's the economy. It's Rivers Church that lock the gates. Michelangelo created, <laughs> Michelangelo created two of the world's greatest sculptures, David and Pieter by the age of 28. Alexandra the the Great had conquered the world by 29. J.K. Rowling, at 30 years of age, finished the manuscript of Harry Potter. Amelia Earhart was 31 when she was the first woman to fly alone across the Atlantic Ocean. Some people can't drive alone to church to come to sisters. (laughs) Just thought I'd mention that. Edmund Hillary was 33 when he was the first man to reach the summit of Mount Everest. Maury Currie was 35 years, years old when she got nominated for a Nobel Prize in physics. The Wright brothers, Orville and Wilbur, were 32 and 36 when they built the first powered aircraft. Neil Armstrong was only 38 when he became the first man to set foot on the moon. Christopher Columbus was 41 when he discovered the Americas. Abraham Lincoln, let's start to move to the older people here, because you're all sitting here going, you didn't mention me, I'm getting to you. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln was 52 when he became president. John F. Kennedy was 43 when he became president of the United States. Henry Ford was 45 when the Model T was first launched. Why haven't you invented a car yet? What's the matter with you? Leonardo da Vinci was 51 when he painted the Mona Lisa. Ray Kroc was 53 when he bought the McDonald's franchise and grew it in unimaginable ways. Hmm? 51. Sorry, 53. Some of you give up when you're 30. The government must pay my loan. My student loan must be paid by the government. Then the government must give me a house because it's very hard for my generation. You have no idea. Someone mentioned to me that they heard me say this, and I'm not done yet. They heard me say this, that I earned 350 rand a month as a minister in full-time ministry. It was the payment on my Alfa Romeo. So they paid me, and then it got taken out by the debit order. So I've essentially earned nothing for the first 18 months of my ministry. We lived off our business and the money we sold. But we didn't complain or write a letter to the Assemblies of God or have placards in the street or protest at the Assemblies of God offices. Fair pay for men and women. Fair pay for pastors. The workers were the obvious wages. The work We silly people making excuses that only keep us impoverished. We've got an excuse culture, we've got a protest culture, we've got a blame culture, but Christians must be people who develop a no-excuse culture. (laughs) Chesley Sully Sullenberger was 57 when he successfully landed that U.S. Airlines plane, Flight 1549, remember he landed on, uh, on, on the river and the people survived, the Hudson River, after eating birds. And all 155 passengers aboard survived. 57-year-old man took a chance to make people, to get people saved. And then for all of you in South Africa, Colonel Harlan Sanders was 61 when he started the KFC franchise. And the whole of South Africa has made them rich. (laughs) Nelson Mandela was 76 when he became president of our country. And I tell you what, we've not had a man of that caliber since with all respect to people who served, he was incredible, and so age, let's not make an excuse of age, God's got things for our lives, but we can present our physical, and our emotional, and our sexual, and our mental, and our age, and our spiritual limits, but God says, don't say that about yourself, I can work in you, number two is the, is this excuse Gideon made, are you all still with me, Gideon made an excuse, excuse of weakness, And when the Lord called him to go and free Israel in Judges 6, it says the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I'm the least in my family. How many people have said to God, I can't do what you're asking me because I'm too weak? And he so said, I've always been weak. My family's weak and I'm weak. I inherited this weakness. Are you getting me here? Read between the lines. God says, I'm oh, sorry, I, I, look, I see right through your excuses and you're frustrating and limiting my plans for Israel and you. Just don't say that. I'll go with you. And we know the story of Gideon. He went, he overcame the enemy and he became such a leader that they even worshiped his vest after he was gone. Isn't it incredible what God can do? But if you give in to weaknesses like that, see, and you you tell yourself, I have a disorder. My whole family's like that. We've always had this propensity. Shannon Elder, in her book, talks about the definition of a victim. She says you're a victim. It's a noun. And then the first definition is the moment you tell everyone you have a mental disorder in order to excuse your behavior. Now, you need to rely on God, not say you're too weak to be obedient. Number three, let me lessen your pain. Moses, he made the excuse of, I've always been like this. And he tries to limit God. Exodus, God called him and he responds. But Moses said to the Lord, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. How many of you know as a Christian, it's not the rules and laws that keep us. It's his presence. That's why it's so important to come and worship and sing because His presence as we sing, He fills, open your mouth and I will fill it. As you sing, the presence of God comes. Then you have the strength to overcome. You can't overcome because you're a member and you've got a membership form or a membership certificate on your wall. That won't keep you. It's His presence. And the more you make excuses, the more you drive His presence away. And he calls you, He summoned you, He saved you. Because He's got a great plan, He's got a feast for you. But you're frustrated and you're limited. Exodus 4 and verse 10, God uh, speaks to Moses again. Uh, Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant. He's like Gideon, he's trying to be nice. I've never been eloquent, neither in the past, nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. But God says, now go, I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. You see, this is what Moses, was to me, this is what Moses is saying. I've had these issues since I was very young. And I've tried to overcome them, but now I'm just going to live with them. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's, it sounds so clever. You sound so incredibly intelligent, but you're making an excuse that God sees right through. And you're making an excuse that is frustrating and limiting God's good plans for you. Are you hearing me this morning? See we bring my upbringing? We say, we've always been like this, Lord, never have I been good, and am I still not good, and I've tried to be, but I can't. No, you're making excuses. You've got to determine to be disciplined and committed and to have a no-excuse culture. Ben Carson said this. He's a wonderful doctor and has overcome poverty and, and everything to rise up and be who he is. He says, it doesn't matter if you come from the inner city. People who fail in life are people who find lots of excuses. It's never too late for a person to recognize that they have potential in themselves. See, you have potential and gifts and you can rise up, but if you keep excusing yourself, you'll never be what God calls you to be. You'll frustrate and limit his good plans for your life. Have I made sense this morning? Uh, I just want to encourage you. There's things that you you think you can't do that you can. And uh, to give you a classic example, I was reading about this seven-year-old girl, Anya Elik. Listen to me. She's got no hands. Can you see? What's she holding there? Well, she won a handwriting contest because out of 50 entrants, she was the best. We've got hands, we've got brains, we've got the word, we've got the spirit, we've got a good, large, strong church, and yet we make excuses. Break that no excuse culture. Rather, break that excuse culture. Number three, God wants our maturity, not our excuses. You see, in Ephesians 4, and I'll do this quickly, it talks about the fivefold ministry. Ephesians 4, can't bring it up, haven't got time. But it talks about apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, what we call the hand, the fivefold ministry. And it says they've been given, like me, given to the church for what? To help you on a Sunday, motivate you so that you can make more money next week? No, that might occasionally happen. But to equip the saints for the works of service and for the maturing of the body of Christ. What is maturity is when you can take responsibility for your actions without making excuses. A child doesn't. A child excuses its behavior. But you didn't, and you promised. That's immaturity. Maturity says, yes, I did wrong, Dad. Mom, sorry. Uh, I will do better next time. So maturity. Excuses show immaturity. Ray Bennett said this. Maturity is when you stop complaining and making excuses and start making changes. So if that's what Ephesians 4 says, we now come to 5 where he starts to talk about what maturity looks like. And, and, and God wants our maturity, not our excuses. He says, you can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshipping the things of this world. Now watch, don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. Which sins? Immorality, impurity, and greediness materialism for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him don't participate in the things these people do for once you were full of darkness now you have light from the Lord so live as people of light sin limits you and puts you back in darkness when you serve God and honor him light comes but there are people around you who are ready to drag you back into immaturity where you live by your feelings and you excuse them. Are you hearing me? We can't be those people. We've got to say, no, I don't live by my impulses and my appetites. I live by what God says. And sometimes it's tough. And we will slip up and we will fall into these, but we don't practice them and excuse them. Everybody eats a lot. It's not just me impure, yeah, you know, living with my girlfriend. It's just a piece of paper. You're yeah, trying to get a car without a piece of paper. Come on now. We have got to be people who stop making excuses. We develop a no-excuse culture so we can be mature and we can move forward. Galatians chapter 5, as I begin to move to close, as for you, my brothers and sisters, you were called to be free, but do not let this freedom Become an excuse for letting your physical desires control you. Our physical desires are ready to control us at the drop of a hat. And we've got to say no. We are not married for 50 years and in ministry for 40 by accident or because we were born. Yes, I always knew when I was three. I was really in front of the mirror preaching. God called me and I said like Gideon, no way. No way. Are you kidding me? Get behind me, Satan. So this is not something natural. This is something God does despite who you are. That's why pastors fail and that's why we have weaknesses because God uses us despite ourselves so that he gets the glory. So I wanna encourage you. Don't make excuses for church attendance as the year winds down. It's been a hard year. We are tired. But all the more we need refreshing if we're tired and worn out and you get it in the presence of God. Maybe step back from serving, but let's cultivate a no excuse culture. And let's be committed to serving God. Don't be put off by rude people, by traffic in the parking area, by us talking about breakthrough offering. We're putting up a building that's gonna cost 48 million rand and it will serve people when I'm dead and gone. So think beyond yourself and don't make excuses. Honor God. You know, sometimes our commitments are made and then the temptations come. As I close this morning and I'm out of time now, I've got to pray with you, but I trust you've been helped. Um, C.S. Lewis, you'll name the author and Christian scholar, he took his commitments very seriously and he never made excuses. And we've quoted him a lot and read about him a lot, but his biography tells of his suffering in his life. He went through a long period of suffering and it wasn't just physical. He had a friend and his friend was in the war, World War I. And uh, his friend kept saying to him, I'm anxious, I'm worried, I'm anxious. And he said, what? He said, I've got a wife and children. And I'm anxious and I'm stressed about it. And who will take care of them when I, if I die in the, in the war? Well, guess what? World War I dragged on and his friend died. And C.S. Lewis had committed to him that he would support his family. Here's the thing. You say, well, that's wonderful. No, his wife was obnoxious. She was rude. She was unappreciative. She was ungrateful. She used to be absolutely incredibly difficult to deal with. But guess what? He was not put off. He had made a commitment. And he didn't let her behavior excuse him from the commitment. You and I will face challenges to our commitments. People's behavior around us will tempt us and drag us, or they will tempt us to be put off our commitment. You've got to just keep going because we've made a commitment to honor God and not to make excuses. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message.